Facebook and listen to Money Jam System I am. How do you like me now? How do you like me now? Down on my way, you saw the gun face it, and me today. Couldn't make you love me, but I was dreaming about. Good morning, it is Morning Jam and Dan Rose, so glad to have you along so far on this Tuesday. Hope you're getting off to a great start. Uh, we have got a great show lined up for you today. Lots of guests coming in and out of the show today. Keep our number handy. 866-916-3776 is our toll-free number that you can call in on at any time. Our text number is 434-248-0704. Here's your thought of the day for this Tuesday. Ready? Beautiful things happen when you distance yourself from negativity. Hmm. Beautiful things happen when you distance yourself from negativity. However you need to do that. I'm still working on it. Hey, look, it's hard. Uh, even just having to deliver the news in the morning sometimes, it's hard to keep balance with it. We do try. I do think there's a trick to that. Speaking with uh, avoiding the negativity, today's Tuesday, that means coming to the table Tuesday. That's where we give you an opportunity to win up to 10 box lunches from Honey Baked Ham on Gallagher Mountain Station. It's brought to you by Honey Baked Ham and by Harvest Baptist Church, where they remind you it is time to be kind. And all you have to do is text us at 434-248-0704. Tell us who you are, maybe where you work, uh, and how you're thinking about using it. Some people have used it to break bread with coworkers or with neighbors. Some people have gifted it to other people who they saw a need for. Um, any way you want to do it, you, we just want to keep on the communication open and encourage people to kind of maybe get out of their comfort zone and reach out to other people and, uh, and talk to them to know a little better. So we do that with time to the table Tuesday. So we'd love to hear from you. You can use that number for our Mind Game Trivia. Today is National Pawnbroker's Day. National Pawnbroker's Day. I do love me a good pawn shop. I'm not going to lie. I'll visit them whenever I go into town. Just kind of see. And it's interesting. All pawn shops are different depending on what part of the country you go into. Today we're asking you, according to an online study, what is the most pawn item in Virginia? So it varies from state to state. Uh, for example, in the District of Columbia and Illinois, most pawned items are computer smartphones, gaming consoles, and flat screen TVs. Yeah, so we want to know what is the most pawned item in Virginia. That's the wedding ring. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of uh, jewelry that gets pawned, the tools and equipment. Look, when I was doing this yesterday, I didn't realize how very many different things you even could pawn. So, I mean, vehicles. <laughs> I want to pawn stars. I'm pretty sure some pawn PDAs. Yes, they're valuable. They, yeah, they have some weird stuff mm -hmm. in there. I've had, I've, I've never went in, but I've passed it. Mm. I've okay, well, that's our question today because it is National Humber's Day. So you drove by the Han Stars place and you did stop in? It was like really late at night. We're oh. already pretty much. Okay. Oh, because how bad it was this? I'd have to leave. My dad and I, so like, it was, it was my birthday and one of my parents and my mom was working, like, so gave us her the cute my dad and I along. Okay. So she was like, and my dad and I would kind of walk around and we're like, do stuff. Yeah, Got we would. Um, and we kind of like, we really want to spare away and wait in line and buy a bike. just like walking. For example, in Nashville, when I was in Nashville, lot, I worked in Nashville, lot. Instruments. Mm -hmm. There were all kinds of instruments that were, were being pawned uh, for obvious reasons. So we're looking for Virginia today. I think pawned everything. Well, I'm saying history in 1923, the first U.S. presidential address broadcast on radio. The president, Calvin Coolidge, is that there. It's not as much as people commit, and they spend just as you just accumulate. High techs, which everywhere and burden everybody. They bear most of the poor. The admission stream commerce and agriculture are profitable. They increase the rates of transportation. They are a charge in every necessary life. Of all services which the Congress can render to the country, I have no hesitation in incurring to defect it to postpone to obstruct it. All I have to say is Tom Coolidge for president. <laughs> so, right here, there he is in 1923. Talking about taxes and how burdensome they are. All right. On state history in 1964, our holiday specials are forever changed as Rudolph lights up TV for the very first time. I always wanted to like give him a good smack. <laughs> he seems very, I don't know, you just want to go, wake up Rudolph! Yeah. Can you cut this? It's okay! Uh, stop motion animation special air on NBC was part of General Electric Fantasy Hour. And of course it was created by Rankin and Bass, filmed in Japan. And it was, it was still in Japan? Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. And came out of the classic generation that moved to CBS in 1972. That's where I was watching it. Was on CBS. For a long time, CBS was the place that you would go. See your holiday classics. that there, Frosty. But everything. Yeah. The peanuts, you know, mm -hmm. all that now. Nobody's there anymore. It's so sad, really. Anyway. In 1973, Barry Ford is one of the first unelected vice president. Succeeds Spiro Agnew, who resigned over corruption allegations. And then in 1990, Shul Stowe Jackson Senator sells auction for $23,100. Death for signature. Merry Christmas to whoever sold that. Uh, it's your birthday today. Happy birthday from all of us here on the Morning Jam. You share it with Beth Williams. She turns 75 years old today. And of course, you and Kramer versus Kramer, Paul Jackson, all the for things. Country singer Helen Cornelius had a birthday today, turning 81 years old. I'm in a 
Yeah, all over the place. Elkernia and Jim Brown. They were, uh, they were one of the country's duos. I did watch Georgia Tammy. That's on right now, the miniseries about George Jones and Tammy Lamb. Got playing George Jones. It's pretty good. The girl, this is something I can't go on it, so I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it through or not. I just don't know. Do you want, I don't know who that is. You don't know who George Jones or Tammy Lamb is? No, George Jones is. No, I don't know. Tammy Lamb was just a queen. I don't know. Wow. Okay. You don't, seriously, you don't know. I think I do. Good girls think of bad. Why do you want to be a girl? Do you want to be Everything girl. And then uh, speaking of naive music, uh, we've got Buddha Eckberg of Ace of Bass turning 52 years old today. Alright, back to our mind damn trivia. Born 434-248-0704. We ask you, because it's National Pawnbroker's Day, according to an online refining gold study, what is the most pawned item in the state of Virginia? So we had quite a few guesses, including uh, a lot of people said jewelry. Um, some people said tools. Okay. Uh, Turn around and say guns in the Commonwealth. Nobody said instruments. Hmm. No, no. Okay. Alright, we're going to give back the answer. You have a guess it. Just 448 your morning on the right foot and listen to morning dance to 9 a.m. of the Virginia Talk Radio Network. Start your mornings on the right foot and listen to the morning jam to 9 a.m. Good morning, you're listening to the morning jam. I'm Dan Rose. Glad to have you along this morning. Uh, there's your clue for our My Jam trivia question. Today is National Pawnbrokers Day. According to an online refining bold study, we wanted to know what was the most pawned item in Virginia that one could have pawned for a couple of areas. I'm a warrior. That's the right. So, our shoot at the walls is hard. Yeah, so it has to be like guns. It is guns? Yeah, it is guns. Oh, look at that. It was turned around. You didn't get that. I know. I gave you ideas. I didn't give a formal guess. Oh, okay. All right. It was a hint. So, I broke the hint. A lot of people did guess jewelry, and that is some of the popular items we pawned in many states. In places like Indiana, Missouri, Nebraska, Ohio, Pennsylvania, antiques and collectibles are number one. Luxury watches are in California, Delaware, Louisiana, things like that. In Wisconsin, bottle records, furniture, appliances, and vintage toys. I need to go Wisconsin. I'm sorry, it's not cheese. I don't think you can punch these. Can you punch these? Maybe. Well, maybe. I don't know if that's going to be sanitary. No. Um, guns were, were number one. Guns were number one in many states, including Virginia, uh, West Virginia, Tennessee, North and South Carolina. Probably, probably. no popular hunting places. Well, probably. Uh, we're going to be talking guns with our uh, a little bit more crime than ever, especially here at college campuses. We've seen it here at uh, Closed Home. Uh, also, of course, in Idaho, we're dealing with, with some of that. Uh, right now, 23 states leave the choice of gear guns up to colleges. And, of course, now, lumpers won't even involved in that. We're going to see, um, is it going to be safer if you allow your kids to carry at the college? There's no way on that. And a couple of topics that uh, is within his land expertise, including the uh, story we've locally run back from LU. Uh, we're going to ask about that and see what his thoughts are on, on that particular subject as well. Uh, sad day for movie fans as we say goodbye to Kirsty Alley. She passed away yesterday. Gosh, she was so funny in Lucas Talking. Of course, she was also in Peters, was very popular that way. A lot of people from Hollywood are weighing in on uh, the loss of Kirstie Allen. Uh, of course, her ex husband, Percy Stevenson, uh, you know, weighed in on that. They had two children together. Uh, John Travolta, who ended up talking uh, with her, Jamie Lee Curtis, and many others, uh, came out to talk about how uh, talented she was and, and how important she was in her lives. Apparently, she died after a recently discovered battle with cancer. And I mean, I hadn't heard anything about her being sick. Um, but uh, Kirstie Alley is on. We were talking about, you know, um, to be to keep him out. He's yeah. battling some cancer. So no no idea of 
what kind of tantric buzzer or anything like that. But, um, but yeah, Chris Kelly will definitely be missed by so many, and she brought a lot of joy and laughter that she's lost a whole lot of people while she was here. Well, there are a lot of things that are going on holiday-wise. One of the things that uh, we're going to be doing, I'm going to be on Saturday, is an event that's coming up at Second Stage Theater in Amherst. If you've never been to Second Stage, it is a beautifully restored uh, old church that they saved from uh, being turned down. Now it is a hub for all kinds of artisans. It's a lovely little uh, event thing in there and a place for a local theater to take place. Uh, this Saturday at 7 o'clock, it's going to be live from Rose Ridge. Uh, I will be there. Can I give you a glimpse of a similar time? We're going to have some comedic storytelling. Salty Henderson's going to be there with his version of Salty Claw. We're going to have lots of great music. Um, Gene Temple is going to be there. He's interested. He travels around the world playing music. We are so lucky to have him with us um, this weekend. He's going to be uh, playing music for us. We also have local crooner Big Gene Penny. He's a retired firefighter in Lindbergh, and he's going to be bringing us his bluesy renderings of the holiday classics. He's so much fun to listen to. Uh, area author George Taylor is going to be sharing some snapshots of Christmas past from his very successful book, uh, Surviving Georgie, and there will also be a live radio version of A Christmas Carol that is going to be featuring uh, Amherst Radio Legend Blank, Bob Lungzab. I've got some students from Amherst High School that are just crazy, crazy talented, and it's just going to be a good old-fashioned live radio show that you can be part of. Uh, you can get your tickets by going to Facebook. You can go to Second Stage and get them that way. You can convince them Facebook to find the information, or you can text me directly and we can make sure that you get them. Uh, I'll be performing. I'll be dusting off the old microphone and singing a little bit, and that's going to be fun. Uh, if you want to know more from you can text me. Press before 248 We're going to get a couple tickets away here in just a little bit. A little bit later on, we're going to be talking with Mark Galbraith, uh, as I told you, at 730. Although Dr. Bob Denton is going to be joining us as he's going to weigh in on the Georgia runoff, the sticks are high, and the uh, margin is thin. I would say, uh, when it comes to Georgia, although some say it's not as thin as it used to be. Uh, we'll see what Dr. Bob has to say about that. And then uh, President Biden having a few woes here and there. Um, he is really getting beat up over the fact that he just absolutely refuses to visit the border. He just won't do it. And so he's uh, catching some heat about that. And then we also have, um, you know, all about the oil the Biden administration is giving Duro government a lifeline. Venezuelans are crying foul on that one. Uh, the Treasury Department did issue a license to Chevron to drill for oil, relaxing some sanctions by Venezuela during the Trump administration. And Venezuelans are crying foul, reminding the world that Maduro regime continues to engage in what is internationally recognized as crimes against humanity. And officially, the landmark policy change was the response to the Maduro regime's dialogue with the opposition regarding spending on a humanitarian budget. But it's left many in Venezuela uh, disillusioned given the ongoing human rights situation in the country. And Venezuela remains the most egregious abuser of human rights in America, according to a UN report. But, you know, as long as he gets it all, well, whatever. We'll, we'll see. But he's just, I don't know, it just seems like when you think he can't make any decisions that are worse than the ones he already has. He does. We also find us responding to the Twitter document dump on the Hunter Biden story and the uh, the censorship there, the censorship of Hunter Biden's laptop story. Um, of course, uh, Jean-Pierre Van Dam, whatever her name is, uh, she dismissed the release. She says it's just a distraction. So, because they're getting so much hate speech on the platform, she's trying to change the narrative. That's what she says. There you go. and we would love to hear from you on some of the topics of the day. We'd like to raise up yourself. We'd love to hear from you. I'm Dan Rose. It's time for your morning weather, brought to you by WPPJ7. I'm your host, Brian Spring, lately today, clouds, areas of fog, high of 54, we have a shower around overnight, low at 47, the chance of showers off on Wednesday, but we'll be warm, the highs of the mid to upper 80s, shower chances at 30% Wednesday, low at 51, shower chances on Thursday, as well, the high of 64. Currently warmer than it was yesterday. Uh, some rain falling in the short 40 degrees. Bedford is forced with run up down 41. Athematics is 40, and Amherst is 42. And a nice setting to rain for us in the area. If it's not running yet, it will be. It's probably just really cloudy. Uh, you're listening to Morning Down with Bob Bowers with us this morning. Of course, I don't know what the temperature is in Jersey, but it's the wrong It's Jersey. 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 Really? Yeah, just over here. Over here. Over here. Over here. Over here. What are you doing in Jersey this week? I'm just ringing in miserable time. I drove up here to do a quick commercial for an insurance company, and I'm driving back home. Oh, wow. There's no rest for the weary, is there? No, it's not a fun ride. Lots of tall roads and uh, not a really miserable ride. You know what? I went up there quite a bit in this area. You see it in Baltimore City area. But, um, right. it's, uh, it's nice when I get back.
It's funny, people are like, why do you drive so far? Uh, come in, well, every day when I drive out, and we don't even have that much of a, a seat in Lynchburg, but still, the minute I get out of, of any of that traffic and I hit that back road, I run myself, oh, this is funny. This is exactly funny. Yeah, country riding is so much reactive. The traffic up here is just ridiculous, but... Mm-hmm. But you want to buy a car and just get out there and... Yeah, and get out of here. I'll fly to the right after the time you get to the airport, you're going to get a check-in, you're going to go to Charlotte, and then go to... Well, we're here to yeah, talk about some, uh, some headlines this morning. I want to weigh in on uh, crime is uh, going up and it's creeping ever closer to our colleges. And right now, 23 states leave the decision to permit or ban concealed carry firearms up to the individual. And a lot of colleges now, in light of the story out of Charlottesville, even the thing going on in Idaho, are considering banning guns from campus. Uh, is this a good thing or is it going to leave people more vulnerable than they've ever been before your thoughts? I, I think um, I'm going to have to middle on this because it's it's the, best way, it is, the best way to stop bad guys during violent knife or baseball bat or gun attack is with our in the bottom line. But if we have too many guns on campus, if there is a mass casualty or mass attack, not getting a shooter, we could very well likely have good people shooting good people. The police are rising on scene, they're shooting good people. There's no reason to chaos. We don't know who the guys bad guys are. So I think that we should have firearms on campus. I think every facility should have firearms, but they have to be by well-trained people that are trained with tactics in mind. They're trained with uh, the legal justifiable use of force, of deadly force. There's so many people out there, and they're on camp- uh, college campuses, universities. They're carrying concealed, and they honestly have no clue of what happens when I shoot the bad guy and I miss and I hit his spike finger. So we have to have our background. That's what they call balls. <clears throat> so, and firearms. Let's say that's a ban that there aren't firearms on campus. That is a statistical proof that it's between my friends this year. So, it, I'm stuck in the middle. I, I just think strength professional. This country has the money. If we got money in Ukraine, we have money to secure facilities in this country. Mm-hmm. And I think that we should just spend money to have trained individuals securing our campuses, hospitals, businesses, facilities. Uh, Israel does it. Right. Uh, and does it does it very well. That's right. And it's not intimidating. No, it's not scary. We can still do it covertly. Uh, professional, but uh, I just I don't I, I do think it's, it's important for each individual to have not security firearm, but uh, I find this based on training. Only because I've seen a lot of people in my classes when I start talking about Virginia law, <clears throat> their jaws drop. Right. And I get all the time. Yeah, you can't use somebody for just coming to your house. Virginia, you can't, in a lot of states, you can't protect property with deadly force. And, uh, you and have to be a or you are not in danger. That's right. Yeah. So. And I also remember just because we can shoot somebody doesn't necessarily mean should. So yeah, because there's ramifications of the choices later. It's not like that's going to happen and you're just going to forget about it. And, exactly. Right. Not like on TV with a good guy shoot the bad guy they're out having a drink for dinner. Now we have not. Yeah, yeah. It's hours and months and years of force regime. Even if it's completely justified, it's force. You're going to be sued. There's no question about that. But there's so much security and concealed people. And it's not a big process to go to for to learn the legal ramifications and legal guidelines, but people really should do it to security concealed. So, uh, you know, I don't want to put up the uh, information that, yeah, our people are going to be uh, going to be um, that agreement. That's a bad so idea. Many active, yeah, so many active shooters in this document have waited for that firearm to leave before they attack. Right. Right. Now, so, here's the other thing. There have been some colleges, including Liberty University, that has, you know, encouraged responsible uh, concealed carry and included that education in the process and an opportunity to go to the range and know where your rights are. I mean, it is, these are educational institutes. There's no reason for they, them not to do it properly. Yes. Yeah. And I don't want to, um, I don't want to dog anybody out, but I get a lot of Liberty students who call me and say, I need you to teach me how to shoot my firearm. And I'll say, well, this is a firm class. And I'll say, I want to get a Liberty, but they didn't teach me how to shoot our guns. Oh, Lord. In my head. And I get that all the time. I get a lot yeah, of because that's not what was out there. That was the impression uh, no, we had. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I do get every student that have time to be to know Liberty class is right. It was, it was, it was out in, but uh, I do get quite a bit that have no clue how that firearm operates because they've got that class from that uh, organization. <laughs> That's scary. Now, yeah. it, it, maybe it's not consistent, or I don't know, but, um, but it all goes back to we got to make sure we do proper training. we got to make sure that people take the time on our own to keep up with the laws and understand what time to do. From, and we have to know how our particular firearm operates. Mm-hmm. Big chase, crossfires, uh, overshooting bad guy, missing a bad guy, bullet goes in and out of bad guy. You're responsible for that. I hope that's mission of the bullet. So and it's very expensive. Yeah, it can be very expensive. Exactly. Uh, one more question before we let you go. Um, we had an incident in Lindbergh with a uh, Liberty University running back who was detained by the LPD with putting things online about that. A lot of questions about that situation. What do you know about that particular story? I've only went to social media. I did a podcast on it and I broke it down. Uh, I didn't I did comment on it. The LPD did it right or wrong. I didn't comment on it. 
uh, player sitting right on that did have a podcast on what the law says police can do uh, upon entering somebody's house in a domestic violence case and what they can do if our case is being handcuffed but in the back of the car detaining them. Because um, we were talking about that on the show. Uh, this yeah. all stems from like, a phone call and they thought they heard things in the background and, and Trent and I were talking about it and I said, you know, if a police officer hears something and they think someone's in danger, they don't have to have a warrant to enter. Right. right? There, yeah, it acts in circumstances and if there could be obstruction of evidence, there's going to be somebody late or serious violence that's involved in the police and just going in. Now, here's the first idea. If LPD had blown off that domestic violence call, and that woman, he was fine with, if he was, I don't know what if he was, uh-huh. fine with her, if he's severely injured or killed her, guess who's going to be uh, on chocolate ball bins? Right. The LPD for not doing their due diligence. So they had a duty, and they did that duty. Mm-hmm. They investigated a call that they got about a domestic disturbance. And that's what, that's what their job is, and that's what they did. Um, you're allowed to put somebody in handcuffs to detain them. You're allowed to enter the home for the purpose of investigation. You can't start opening drawers and cupboards, searching, because that's not what they're there for. But uh, you, LPD and police, one person, have duty to protect people. And from what I've seen on social media and what I've seen on the videos, they were doing that right now. Maybe they could have gone to the world, you know, and all the important police officers, too. During that incident, the video that I saw, if there had been a little bit more communication, uh, it may have, may have gone a little bit more. Yeah. yeah, well, well, in a domestic, we want to get you better handcuffed as soon as possible because that's going to keep officers from being injured. That's going to keep the victim that he was standing away from being injured, and it's going to keep them from being injured. So mm-hmm. that's common to immediately handcuff somebody. And you tell them, you're not under arrest, you're being placed in handcuffs for my safety and your safety. You, you explain to them, but right. we have to make sure that both parties are communicating. Hey, why are you handcuffing me? I'm handcuffing you for your safety and for the purpose of our investigation. You're right. not under arrest. But mm-hmm. there wasn't much communication in the department. That's where we Social media and our cell phone with messaging has we lost the ability to communicate face to face. So that's judgment. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. From what I've seen, I don't see that we did anything wrong. Um, I, I don't. You know, I don't want to call the shots because I wasn't there. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Just as humans, we need to learn to communicate more. Just talk. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to respect it. And we have to explain to what's going on. Mm-hmm. The same thing. Please, officers. Please, officers. Make sure they're doing their job. Yeah. Like they're here to investigate. Make sure they're safe. And I'm going to go to bed. Exactly. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. You uh, be careful traveling back from Dusty, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. <laughs> All right, thank you, guys. I don't do so well with the dirty ass. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you what, let's go to break, and then when we come back, we're going to bring you five and I, a delicious appetizer that we're going to be doing today for those of you who are wanting to save a car. We'll have that coming up. The definition of a word, jam. To pack something tightly, a machine sees it or become a suck. A sweet preserve for fruit. The nonsense radio ball show. The Morning Jam. The Morning Jam. We are the Virginia Talk Radio Network. It's time for Janet and I on Morning Jam. Give her five minutes, and she can do so grand gracious for a delicious meat site. Five and I is brought to you by friends at... Walmart, they're located on Memorial Avenue in Lynchburg, hanging Brownie Crespies every single day. They're your local Midtown grocer in Lynchburg. You can sign up to the VIP Sydney Southern Protest at the market, 833-605-1804. Uh, you'll get exclusive deals, you'll find out about flash sales, and they'll send you coupons directly to your phone. That will help you save a lot of money. So we're giving you recipes that are great for the holidays, and if you're one of those who find it a little difficult to find something you can nosh on and go to this holiday gathering because you're trying to watch this carb, uh, this recipe is definitely for you. Uh, this is for a low-carb spinach square. They call them spinach brownies. I struggle with sweet names for favorite things, so I have called them spinach brownies because that sounds yucky in my head. So just call them spinach squares. You call them what you want to. You're going to start with a 10-ounce package of spinach, eat French, and chopped. And you're going to preheat your oven to 375 and then grease a 9 by 13 in fish. Put your spinach in a medium saucepan with a water cover, bring it to a boil, uh, cook it until it's uh, well cooked, about 3 minutes, remove from the heat, drain it, and set it aside. Now, I will say, if you're using frozen spinach like I do that's already chopped, usually I just let it all and wring that water out because I don't want my spinach to death, but that's just me. You do you. Uh, in a large bowl, you're going to mix together a uh, little all purpose flour, some uh, salt, some baking powder, a couple of eggs, some milk, butter, onion that's chopped, and some shredded mozzarella cheese. Now, I didn't say this was carb free, I said it was low carb, so it does have a little bit of flour. Uh, you can play around with it with some low carb options if you want to, uh, but basically, you're going to mix it all together, transfer it to the prepared pitch and bake it in a preheated oven for about 35 minutes until the toothpaste already comes out clean. Uh, I'll get a nice brown edge on that, um, that cheese, so I'll kind of brown it at the very end. Then you're going to cool it before you serve it up. Um, each one has about 92 calories and uh, has carbs, which is bad, and it also has a considerable amount of protein in it as well. If you're interested in seeing this recipe, all you got to do is go to Facebook, type in Janice on 9, and you'll find this recipe and all the recipes that we share here brought to you by Evan Market, where their meats are above. Well, we talk about food quite a bit here on the show because that's the numbers made of, and life is made of, you got to have food. It's better to, you know, to live rather than to live to eat, but lots of us perhaps don't eat very well. Uh, now there's a new study saying that dementia risk could be increasing if you're eating certain foods. Uh, unprocessed foods in particular are on the list. Things like frozen pizzas, ready-to-eat meals that make busy life much easier, and let's face it, they're pretty easy. Uh, everybody's susceptible to, you know, 
occasional hot dog, sausages, and burgers, and fries, and all those things. If more than 20% of your daily caloric intake is ultra-processed food, you could be raising your risk for cognitive decline. This is according to a new study. And what does that look like? If we're looking at a 2,000-calorie-a-day diet, let's say you can spend 2,000 calories just drive through in a local fast food restaurant, but 2,000 calories is about what you should be eating a day, um, this would equal about 400 calories a day. For comparison, that would be a small order of fries at your local drive through uh, a regular cheeseburger from McDonald's. Um, that's a total of 530 calories for that. The part of the brain involved in executive function, that is the ability to process information and make decisions, is hit especially hard. This is according to a new study published yesterday in the uh, JAMA Neurology. In fact, men and women who ate the ultra-processed food had a 28% faster rate of global cognitive decline and a 25% faster rate of executive function decline compared with people who ate the least amount of overly processed food. The state's not designed to prove cause and effect. There are a number of elements to fortify the proposition that some acceleration and cognitive decay may be attributed to ultra-processed foods. According to a specialist in preventative lifestyle medicine and nutrition, the simple science is substantial, and the boosting that there's a lot of proof of this. And there was an interesting twist, however. If the quality of the overall diet was high, the person who ate a lot of unprocessed whole fruits and veggies, whole grains, and healthy sources of protein, the association between the ultra-processed and the cognitive decline disappeared. Does that make sense? I think so. So if, if the rest of your diet is, is pretty good, you can kind of negate that a little bit. The problem is, if you're eating a lot of processed foods, you have a tendency to kind of go down that path. It's really easy to fall into that habit of grabbing something that's prepared, running through a drive through that kind of thing. Uh, ultra-processed food drag diets quality down, and thus the concentration in the diet uh, is the major cause of concern. And the thing about this is it's not a lot of calories. I mean, you, think about it, you can get 400 calories like that just anywhere. Um, cognitive testing, which included median blood word recall, word recognition, and verbal fluency, performed at the beginning and the end of the study, and participants were active, asked about their diet. In Brazil, ultra-processed food take up 25 to 30% of total caloric in- intake. 58% of the calories consumed by U.S. citizens, 56.8% of the calories consumed by British citizens, and 48% consumed by Canadians are ultra-processed. That's not good. And we wonder why we're seeing so much more dementia, Alzheimer's, that type of thing. When you think about it, before there was fast food, before there were all these frozen foods, it wasn't even an option. And it's not just the brain that is impacting. Uh, it raises your risk of obesity, heart circulation problems, diabetes, cancer, and a shorter lifespan in general. High in sugar, salt, fat. So what do you do? You start cooking more, guys. That's why when you find it on, that's why we try to get you to prepare your food from scratch. It's really not that much time. People say they don't have the time, you do. People say, oh, I can eat out, it's itchy, please, I can eat it. Also not true. Take a message to stop buying things that are super processed. Period. There you go. And you're good to feel better. All the way around. Come on, we've got Bill Shapiro. He's coming in from our own news desk. We'll take him with him. Also, next hour, Dr. Bob Denton is going to be joining us with some of his impressions on all these political topics, as well as that torture runoff. But we will have an answer with that today. I'm talking about it. We'll see. Thanks for joining us here. I'm going to You're listening to the Chief Talk Radio Network. I'm going to be on the Y2O West. And what's the point for you? I'm going to be on the Y2O West.